Hello and welcome to another episode of Last Week in Localization, uh, the show where we talk about the latest from the world of localization, whether that is research, news or events or whatever else there is uh, that you should know about if you want to work in this field. Um, I am your host, Sarah Hickey, and today I have one of my wonderful um, colleagues with me as my guest, uh, Belen. <laughs> Hi, Belen. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Hi, Sarah. Me. Thank you so much. It's very nice to be here again. My second time, I think, in, yeah. in this show. So I'm super happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're a repeat offender. So um, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, no, I'm super happy to have you back. Um, most people will probably know you, especially when it comes to the topic of um, video localization and anything to do with media localization, because you're the number one expert in that field, uh, if you don't mind me uh, saying. <laughs> But uh, just for the ones who maybe don't know you, um, just give us a brief introduction about who you are. Sure, of course. Thank you. So, well, I'm Elena Ullo. I'm from Spain. I live in Spain. My native language is Spanish, as you can tell from my accent. Um, I'm the lead media researcher at NIMSI Insight, so I'm conducting any type of research that is that has to do with video localization, multimedia localization, game localization, anything with video, audio, and localization in it. I'm usually involved with that. Um, and yeah, I come basically, I come from, my background is uh, game localization. I worked in in that field for a few years. And then I did a PhD also in media localization, specifically on subtitles in virtual reality. Uh, we we did some tests on how, how to best include subtitles in virtual reality content. And now I'm working with NIMSI for, since two years ago. So <laughs> wow. yes, yeah, that's time me. Flies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so honestly, you're basically um, covering all of the areas. You've worked in the industry yourself, you have done a PhD in the field, and now you're working as a researcher at NIMSI. So I feel like it doesn't get much better than that. So um, I do think you're the number one expert. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. You're yeah, either, either way, great to have you. And um, yeah, it already says it here in the title, of course, what our topic is for today, video localization strategy for non-media companies. Um, maybe you can give us a little bit of an introduction to this topic and why we're talking about it. Yes, of course. I mean, we're always talking about video localization from basically two perspectives. On one perspective, we have like the me like the big media companies, Netflix, Warner, mm -hmm. Disney, all the huge companies that uh, do like a super premium, high quality video localization. They provide dubbing, subtitling, depending on the market, always having so many options and the quality is super high. And of course, these guys, they know what they are doing. They've been doing this for many, many years. And if, if, if at all, we have to learn from them, specifically from mm -hmm. Disney or from Netflix. Uh, those are my two favorite companies when it comes to um, how they localize their products. I'm a big fan of, of Disney movies and they, they do amazing job in, in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, And then we, lately with the pandemic and everything, we were talking about e-learning localization, corporate lo uh, videos localization and things like that, which is like, like no one cares about that, the quality <laughs> or anything like that. They are looking for like automated solutions, automated captions, uh, synthetic voices, which I'm not saying that synthetic voices are bad because they are becoming like super uncanny, high quality, top notch voices for for certain use cases we can mm -hmm. talk about that later if you want but you know the, the 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 like the workflows the quality levels are different for these 
for this type of, of content. Then now I'm, I'm finding some companies that are having uh, video localization needs, but they are not media companies. So they mm -hmm. are not used to create video content, but they need high quality loc video localization. For example, I'm, I'm thinking about fitness app or yeah. health apps or wellness apps, uh, such as, I don't know, they, you, you can find <clears throat> lots of videos in Fitbit, ASICS Digital, Calm, uh, Freeletics, and so on and so forth. Specifically after the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. we were all at home and people <laughs> was stressing yeah. about not being able to go to the gym and things like that. And then all these, um, all these uh, apps started to create more and more content, people from their, from their homes and so on and so forth. So, I have the feeling like these companies are trying to figure out, I mean, they are already localizing their videos, but sometimes um, the quality is not always there. And I believe that these videos have a huge impact on, on, on their user base, on their customer base. So I believe for this type of, of content and specifically for like fitness or training videos, you need to really up the content rather than subtitling it because you will like the user will be probably exercising while <laughs> while watching the, the content so they don't have time if they don't speak the language to read the subtitles so subtitles are not an option unless you know the proficiency level of english or, or the source uh, language is good enough in that country you want to dub that content mm -hmm. And you want to dub it in a, in a proper way. I mean, of course, it depends on, and we can discuss about that. It depends on, on your video localization strategy. But if you want to offer a premium service to your customers, you want to dub it. And dubbing uh, training videos is no not easy without <laughs> son sounding funny, right? Yeah. You want to work with a professional because they have to actually perform an act, like if they were exercising and they are not mm -hmm. necessarily exercising. So you want to, to partner with the right people and to provide a really good uh, quality dubbing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, my point is, and I'm rambling a little bit, my point is that high quality dubbing or, or video localization is not always for media companies such as Netflix or Disney and the like, but, you know, other type of companies can benefit of having a, like, really proper video localization strategy to have the mm -hmm. best impact on their on their user experience for their customers. Yeah, that's a very good point. And um, I, um, I completely agree that initially when we when we talk about video localization, and we think about subtitling and dubbing, we at least my brain automatically also goes to, um, well, <laughs> like, I don't know, foreign movies. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> non-English ones and uh, Netflix and, you know, all the different uh, streaming platforms where at least we as the uh, everyday person, every average Joe and Jane um, come in contact uh, with those types of uh, services the most. But of course, um, and this has been a trend probably a little bit before the pandemic also, but has been hugely accelerated since the pandemic, like you said, that there's um, so much more need now for video localization in completely different areas that have nothing to do with the media, uh, the traditional media world, really. And um so you already pointed to some of the the challenges as well in that field, but um, 
I know you're, you've worked on an article that's coming out this week or next week, I think, on Nimsy. This week, yes. This week, okay. So um, anyone who's watching and wants to learn more, you can uh, find Belen's article about this coming out this week. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you're basically going to give us a little sneak peek on um, some, uh, you've provided some tips of what companies um, who want to do video localization can do um, if they're not basically used to it, if they're not experts in the field yet, because they're not media companies. Um, in the meantime, I want to briefly point out, <laughs> because I just realized I made a mistake with um, setting up this live stream and that I think on LinkedIn or on Facebook, it accidentally says that we're talking about the nine categories of language technology, which was Tucker's live stream with Julia last week. And <laughs> I thought I had set up all the titles correctly, but it seems I have not. So apologies, I'm still in the learning phase. And yeah, so <laughs> this uh, live stream is not about that. And you can find the actual recording on the NIMSI website and the multilingual um, website and YouTube channels as well, if you're interested in that topic and end it here by accident. So I'm sorry. Um, so now, Belen, uh, back to the tips. What can video localization uh, or companies do who need video lo localization but are not experts because they're not media companies? Yeah, thank you, Sarah. And please, if you're here by mistake, just stay for it with that. <laughs> exactly. This topic is also interesting and has to do with technology. Um, so, I mean, the first thing that, th that they need to do is to sit down and think about what they want to achieve, right? So they need mm -hmm. to think about what's the impact of the content that they are localizing, what's the purpose of it, uh, and, and this kind of things, right? So, for example, you want to, to think about, is this going to be public-facing? So is this, go this video content going to, to my customers, or is this uh, in for internal purposes only? Because sometimes, you know, there's a bunch of internal trainings and things like that, and but now everything is video-based, so first, uh, just in, in, in your list of, of priorities in terms of the impact of the video content in your user experience, where this content is going to be. You need to, to think about these kind of things or, or this, is this video going to be used as a marketing um, product? So it's, th these are videos that are going to be out in, in social media and YouTube and things like that. So that, that's an, a different topic, but it's really... Like sometimes most companies, now I'm thinking also about, I, I don't know why, fitness uh, or sport companies, they have this YouTube channel, super cool with so much content. And most of the times it's all, only in English. I don't know why. I mean, you have customers all <laughs> over the world where aren't you localizing your videos on YouTube? Sometimes I find the videos there, they have like uh, automatic uh, subtitles. Sometimes they, they actually have mm -hmm. like human humanly produced uh, subtitles, but most of the times this content is, the, is not dubbed. I think that's a, like a flaw from YouTube, if I can give a tip to YouTube. Like <laughs> the, same, the same way that you can add different subtitle tracks, it would be awesome if you could add different soundtracks. So you mm -hmm. could actually have only one video in different languages. Please, YouTube, think about it and <laughs> have a more multilingual approach to your videos because sometimes, yeah, if you want to have a video in dubbed in multiple languages, you have to upload the video like as many mm -hmm. languages as you have and that's a, a challenge. But anyways, um, I'm diverging a little bit. So yeah, you, you need to think uh, first of all about your strategy, what you want to do with that content, what's the impact that it's going to have. Also, if it's content that is pre-recorded, if it's content that is going to be live, like 
streamings, for example, that mm. nowadays are super, as you can see, uh, <laughs> on Vogue um, and things like that. Then you need to think also about the other stakeholders, for example. Mm. So who is producing the videos uh, that you're going to that you're going to localize? Are they product teams? Are there are, are they marketing teams? And what are their expectations? What are their needs? Uh, what's mm. the time to market for these videos? Because sometimes what happens is that, okay, I have a video and I have it ready. I'm a marketing team. I have it ready by Friday and I want to launch it by Saturday. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but we cannot dub or subtitle a video in one day over the weekend. So sometimes it's also a matter of educating and setting expectations with the other stakeholders mm -hmm. and trying to understand what's better for them um, and how you can help them to, you know, make the most out of the global campaign or the the global impact of the, of the product that you're that you're launching then other things to take into account uh, is like is your current vendor the right partner for video localization that's also important because sometimes you know more more generalistic lsps they don't have expertise in video localization necessarily and if you're looking as we said the, before uh, like for a really good dubbing uh, product, like something that done by a professional um, actor and actresses in different countries and so on and so forth with the creativity uh, of the artistic director that a, a local studio can have, maybe a generalistic LSP is not the best partner, or mm -hmm. maybe yes, because they have expertise in that field, but you need to check, right? You need to yeah. check if, if that's the case with your current LSP, and if not, maybe for video content, you want to partner with, with other type of company so that's mm -hmm. also because you want to learn right you you don't know how to do these things and you want to have the best product uh, ever sometimes it has happened that some companies have tried to localize videos with not so specialized mm -hmm. companies and then the, the impact in the user experience was not so so good and in your experience just as a follow-up question there of course there are in our industry, there's a, there, there are quite a few um, companies that just specialize in media localization in all its different facets and other media services as well. Uh, some are really big, others are a little bit smaller, but also fairly big still. Um, and then what we've seen over the last year, especially in, already before, but I think especially in the last year as well, is that more of the traditional kind of regular LSPs have also added uh, this as a, as a service. And like you said, they're less specialized in that field, but they also do it, especially also for those corporate videos and training videos, all that kind of um, requirement. Um, is there a rule of thumb, would you say, yes, go with those companies or is it always better to reach out to a media localization company or is it just completely individual depending on what you need? That's a very good question and a very <laughs> tricky one at the same time. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, especially for dubbing, I would say, maybe for subtitling, you know, generalistic LSPs are more like proficient in, in that area because you... What you need at the end of the day is a good vendor manager finding the right resources for you, which are usually mm -hmm. um, good subtitlers. Of course, they need to to know the tech, all the technical side of, of subtitling because it's not just translating and SRT. It, it has so, so many implications. But when it comes to dubbing, uh, if you really want and 
like a professional dubbing actor or actress dubbing your content, um, having a good um, like a creative team supporting you and mm -hmm. talking to you with your with you and your marketing team about what's the best way to go with certain territories. Maybe you want to partner with with someone who really like real dubbing studios. Mm -hmm. more than, than LSPs, I would say. Because sometimes LSPs that are working in, in video localization, but more in like in the corporate sector or, or e-learning, they usually work more, not always, I don't want to, be, <laughs> to generalize, but they used to work maybe with uh, freelance voice over mm -hmm. uh, narrators and things like that, more than actual um, dubbing actors and actresses. So it's more like for a flat, type of content where you need someone with a nice way of pronouncing things and a nice way to to say things uh, with a nice voice and so on and so forth, but not necessarily actors. So they yeah. cannot really perform or some of them might, but not all of them. So you really want to to partner with people who are able to perform because, for example, for this type of videos, training videos, yoga videos, the way that you deliver the message, the way that you, you talk to your audience is really important. Mm -hmm. And I want to bring an example of, uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, that's not a company. It's a, it's a yoga instructor uh, called Yoga with Adrian. I don't know if you know no, this YouTube know. channel. Okay, she she she's been recording her sessions and she's uploading the the videos to YouTube and it's super nice. I think she's from was she Australian? I don't remember. Sorry, <laughs> Adrian, if you're if you're seeing this, if you're watching this video, I'm sorry, I don't remember where you're from. But <laughs> anyways, these videos are so cool, and she recently trans localized these videos into Spanish, but using an AI uh, app which is called PaperCup. And basically, this app you feed the videos there. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nika, yoga with Adrian. <laughs> um, and so you, you use the, she used this uh, artificial intelligence enhanced video localization app, which basically uses uh, yeah, AI technology and synthetic voices to localize the videos and to sync them with the mm -hmm. original videos and so on and so forth, which is quite convenient with, for someone like her because she's like a content creator. She's not a company, she's on her own. And that's nice. And I've been reading the comments of uh, on YouTube uh, about the Spanish videos. And people are, first of all, grateful, of, of course, because she mm -hmm. she wanted to bring this content to more people. And, and she she's also learning Spanish, so she's super nice, <laughs> nice. about it. Um, but some other people also mentioned, like, the voice was kind of robotic in mm -hmm. a way. And for yoga practice, you really want to feel the yeah. instructor telling you and you want to feel the energy and, and things like that. So the, the user experience is impacted, right, negatively yeah, in that sense. Definitely. So if you are Adrian and you're a content creator and you're going solo, that's fine. I think it's more than, than okay that you want to provide videos in more than than one language. But if you're like a brand, a big brand with a global presence, maybe you prefer to actually go with with uh, with a real uh, voice actor or actress for mm -hmm. this kind of content. Yeah, I think that's a great example because and it's not just, uh, it's something that comes up, or it reminds me a little bit of uh, something that I know about um, like machine interpreting or this whole speech to speech uh, technology that also uses the synthetic voices. Um, 
<clears throat> it, it has its use cases, I think, but especially when it comes to anything that needs a bit more emotion as well and f like feeling, like like you said, right? When uh, it's probably fine if it's a little bit more static and robotic. If it's just pure information for like um, like an instruction video for I don't know how to build your or fix your microwave or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's probably it doesn't yeah. matter. There isn't a whole lot of drama involved usually. I'd say <laughs> exactly. so you don't need well, that anyway. It depends, it <laughs> it could depends be, on yeah. the microwave, but. <laughs> It could get very dramatic, yes. Um, but it's a whole different story, of course. If, like you said, in a yoga practice, you don't need uh, you need someone to really take you on a on a journey to help you like calm your mind or whatever it is. There's different approaches, of course, on different types of yoga. But generally, I feel like anyone who's ever done that can understand that. Or also in any other kind of workout video, where someone is trying to like get you pumped a little bit, you know, so it's not so like, yes, please lift your arm and down and up and down. You know, yeah. it's just like, oh my God, I'm going to fall asleep, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> that's not useful. And then of course there's the way more sensitive cases than that. But I feel like an example like that is already a really good one um, to show, you know, where you really want to have uh, professionals and where you need actors as well and not just someone who can say it uh, in the right language uh, but without the right intonation because yeah that's just not right for those kinds of cases you're not going to reach people that way then it's almost better not to have it I mean it's always great if someone makes the effort but then you want to do mm -hmm. it right right so yeah. yeah, I mean, again, it really depends on, on your expectations on what you want to achieve. So there's no right or wrong. I'm not advocating specifically mm -hmm. to just go with high quality premium dubbing with uh, with with voice actors and actresses. I, it really depends on your needs, yeah. on your budget and everything. But if you really want to provide like mm -hmm. a premium user experience to your customers, if you're providing them with a premium user experience in other areas, why not do it in, in, in this area as well? Another yeah. example, and talking about user experience, I, I, I'm a user of uh, Fitbit, for example, uh, app and, and the wearables. And I'm not using the videos so much, but sometimes I check them. And I believe they are dubbed into uh, Latin American Spanish, which is mm -hmm. great. I love Latin American Spanish and, and, and everything. But, you know, I'm not used to listen to videos in Latin American Spanish. So it kind of breaks the mood when mm -hmm. when you're watching something that is not really localized for your target yes. language because it's a it's a different variant targeted for a different audience. Mm -hmm. So and these kind of things you if you work with or maybe they they did the research at Fitbit and they know what they're doing and they like consciously did this this make this decision right i'm not criticizing sometimes it's a a matter of budget limitation that you only can choose one and then choose latin american and spanish of course because it's a way bigger <laughs> target market than spain but um if it's just lack of knowing what the target audience wants and and things like that, I mean, if you partner with the right people that can help you, you know, de design your video localization strategy, I think that would be much better. Yeah, absolutely. It makes, it really does make such a big difference. Um, I can relate, even though I, of course, in the German speaking world, I think the like German from Germany is the more dominant uh, variant. But um, yeah, I I would also find it a bit more distracting or not the same if I 
was listening to videos that had, I don't know, Austrian German or Swiss mm -hmm. German. It's not that I can't listen to, to those videos and I can understand them as well. And that's totally fine. But it definitely, um, it would make me, first of all, it would make it harder for me to listen to that accent. And then I'm more focused on that than on the actual experience as well. And that might be discouraging for sure. Yeah. Exactly. So those are things to take into account also when when thinking about your video localization strategy. And I, I would say you, you need to take all these things into account before even start thinking about technology, because then mm -hmm. we have a bunch of technologies out there, as we've been already mentioning, like um, automatic uh, subtitles or captions. We have synthetic voices that are like really i i've said i i've mentioned the example with uh, about yoga with adrian it's yeah. been a negative one but they're really and actually the the quality is not bad but i think for this specific use case maybe might not be the best mm. but companies are becoming more and more it's 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 almost scary right we've been, i've been <laughs> yes. discussing this with people from the dubbing industry i won't say who but uh like everybody's like okay this is like great and at the same time is frightening and kind mm -hmm. of a threat because you know if these things become more and more um human-like uh, we don't know the future of the industry how yeah. it will look like and even some companies are i think i mentioned <clears throat> this in in the previous uh episodes uh with the nine technologies the the other podcast yeah. that Ian tucker did the, uh, last week but yeah i mean some companies are doing this voice cloning thing mm -hmm. which basically means that they can record you and then reproduce your voice in as many languages yeah. as you want and i think what i was discussing with uh, one of the of, of the big media localization companies is like original actors are quite excited about that right because mm -hmm. if you are i don't know clean eastwood or i don't know jennifer aniston or whoever and you like you know that your voice and your actual you know essence is going to be directly transmitted into other languages mm -hmm. like flawlessly which is not the case uh, nowadays but yeah. you know in 20 years um they would be thrilled right like they are like they are not changing my voice sometimes actors when they uh, listen to the dubbed versions of the movies they're like what i mean that's not <laughs> yeah. me right that's not my acting sometimes they love it sometimes sometimes they yeah. hate it um but for like for the original actors i think it's cool but like for the dubbing actors not so cool because that means yeah. that you can be replaced but i mean i don't think no one's going to be replaced anytime soon because uh, we've been talking about that uh, about machine translation for ages already i don't yes. like for decades and you know <laughs> we are still have thousands millions of translators out there so no one's going to be replaced but there will be certain use cases that maybe mm. you know um this kind of ai technology can really yeah this is actually something that uh, reminds me um, of a project google is working on as well the google translatotron <laughs> there's a yeah. version two uh weird name um that uh, was <laughs> I, I wanted to say came out but it's not out anyway but there was a paper re released about it recently and they can also do this what you're mentioning that they keep the original um tone of voice or like the original uh, speaker's voice but in the other language and originally in the version one they could actually alter the voice as well for another uh, person or use the you know and they got rid of this feature again because of uh, criticisms that this might uh, really increase deep fakes as well mm -hmm. so yeah there's a lot of um 
of course, immediately whenever we, we talk about AI and how far AI uh, gets, <laughs> there's always that side coming in immediately, those concerns as well. But yeah, I think for now as well, I would also see this um, as really good progress and as, as an opportunity to enable more accessibility, which is something especially you talk about a lot, right? Accessibility yeah. and um, yeah, that it, it is widening the market, in my opinion, as well for now for, for language services on different levels and there'll be different uh, use cases. Um, we've kind of yeah. diverged a little bit into the AI area, but I like it. <laughs> so but maybe to uh, get us back on track uh, before we wrap up, because I think um, you don't have as much time today. Um, mm -hmm. Is there any other tip that we haven't covered yet that you would like to highlight um, for, yeah, if a company is not specialized in this area but needs video localization, what do they need to look out for? Again, I think, yeah, I think we more or less covered everything. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, analyze like your your customer base. What are they looking for? What they what they need? Uh, you know, we published and, and we, we're going to publish this this week again, this map on preferences of, of dubbing versus subtitling in different countries and mm -hmm. things like that. So this is something that uh, you want to, to, to take into account, because if you provide, for example, subtitles in a country that prefer dubbing maybe the user experience is not going to be the best so you really or out the other way around that's also tricky mm -hmm. and and let me go back to the fitness example sorry I, i'm gonna diverge for one <laughs> more minute but it's also tricky because some countries they are like subtitling countries as, mm -hmm. as we call them for example the nordic countries right like um uh denmark and and, and nor nor Norway and all, all the Nordic countries, they prefer usually subtitled content. And like in movies and TV shows, content mm -hmm. for adults, usually they prefer subtitles. Then if you want to dub their content, for example, for this type of uh, like fitness apps or yoga lessons and things like that, is the experience going to be weird for them because they are not used to listen to dubbed content? That's also something that you really need to, to check yeah. with your maybe in-country reviewers or in country marketing teams mm -hmm. if you want or if not partner with a company such as NIMSI for example that can help you really <laughs> understand the needs of your or the preferences of your of your target audience so these are things that might seem like okay they like subtitles but we want to provide adapt content because it's a training video we will provide mm -hmm. dubbing and we will partner with whatever LSP that is there, but then the, the user experience is not great. So there are many things to take into account there. Yeah, and also though, I'm just I was just thinking of this there as well, if we're staying with the um, video, um, uh, sorry, no, the, uh, the apps for working out of any kind of workout apps, um, you know, reading subtitles on, like if it's on your phone, for example, so when, um, yeah. so when I was pregnant and it was also during the <laughs> pandemic, um, I, I wanted to uh, do some workouts there as well to keep fit and everything. And I just used my little phone, you know, and I wear glasses. And um, so it was difficult to work out with glasses. And then I had the little screen and constantly, you know, I had to do one exercise standing up, the other one sitting down. And then they were kind of trying to show you the exercise. So I already found it super challenging to watch what the person on the screen was doing. If I would have also needed to read the subtitles, um, I would not have I wouldn't have used the app. Yeah, point blank. I would not have used it. 
because it would have been impossible for me to do the exercises without constantly pausing. And then what's the point in the end? If I really don't understand the language, of course, it may be a bit difficult, but uh, different what your level of English is, if it's an English one, the same time, of course, uh, especially in those apps, there's also a bit more specialized language. When I first started doing uh, exercises in Ireland, for example, at the gym or courses, they, they used lots of words that I didn't know. But at least there I could, you know, I could see them and everyone else what they were doing. So then I learned those, you know. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's lots of factors to consider. I was just kind of adding on to your example there that, yeah, it might be weird for uh, countries where that are used to subtitling but at the same time well what do you do for example for me that would be weird to to read subtitles while trying to exercise with a tiny screen and my phone you know exactly so, yeah so yeah that that really summarizes all my the points that i'm trying <laughs> to make <laughs> rambling for for half an hour already is that it's all about user experience right so you you can think about workflows processes what's the right technology, what's the right vendor to partner. And of course you need to figure all those things out. But first of all, it's to think like, what's, what's the, what are your customers expecting in that, in, in that target market for, in terms of video localization? Mm -hmm. And then uh, like, what's the priority of the video content and where is the video content gonna be? That's a great example, Sarah, that you mentioned. Like, even the, the environment, right? It's not the same watching a movie on a TV that watching it on a phone. Maybe in the phone, the subtitles are, are too small and, yeah. you know, it's it's a, not a great user experience. So in, in your phone, you prefer to watch content that is dubbed for those who, of us who in Europe specifically or in, in some other countries that are used to, also in Asia, that are used to, to dubbing adapt content so mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's yeah just think about what your audience want and then look at what type of content you're producing what's the priority because of course video localization it's when we talk about dubbing it's 10 times sometimes more expensive than just subtitling a video mm -hmm. so you really need to factor that in yeah. <laughs> with your team and really convince them like because some like when when you're trying to get some budget for video localization, then you can say, okay, but you can use subtitles. Why would you dub the video and mm -hmm. cost me ten more times? That's gonna be a conversation <laughs> that you're going to have with yeah. your other stakeholders. So you want to to have the ammunition and and the right reasons why the company yes. needs to invest in video localization, premium video localization when when it's really necessary. Exactly, and so, in the cases like we discussed. Uh, yeah, of course it costs more, but for example, if it's a make or break between somebody using your app or not using your app because it's something that's usable for them this way, then, well, you know, there's your answer. And just briefly, exactly. we have a comment here from Tucker. Thanks for tuning in, Tucker. That's uh, very nice mm -hmm. of you. <laughs> so thanks for the show, ladies. Video localization is next level because it highlights a lot of very culturally nuanced things. Regardless of subtitling or dubbing, it's even weird to be watching a video and see a foreign electrical outlet in the background. <laughs> yeah, it all <laughs> takes you out of the experience. And this really reminds me when I watch sometimes some Hollywood movies and then there's any kind of foreigners, you know, there's like the Russians or the Germans or the Mexicans or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. they talk to each other, but just with like they speak English, but with like a heavy German accent or a heavy Russian accent or Spanish accent. Yeah. 
um, when they talk to each other and there's nobody else around where I'm thinking like, well, that's not realistic. Why would they do that? <laughs> if they, yeah. you know, and then that, that makes no sense to me. So these kind of things as well. I mean, this is small, but this even happens in, in, a, in a lot of Hollywood movies. They do then talk to each other in the right language and then it's subtitled usually, you know, but uh, there's lots and lots of movies as well where they just do it for like a tiny part and then the rest is in like basically like English with very heavy accent. Um, I always feel like that really takes me out of the experience. That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a huge challenge from a narrative point of view when you are directing a movie. Like having a multilingual experience, it's super challenging and not everybody's going to like a multilingual experience yeah. because not everybody likes to read subtitles. So I I think that's what... what those who, are, who live in, in the countries where we're used to dubbing and subtitling mm -hmm. and so on and so forth because Tucker is American so he has like more like an American centric view <laughs> but we have this thing called a suspension of disbelief like mm -hmm. okay I know this is in Hollywood I know this is in Los Angeles or New York I know they are not supposed to be speaking in 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 Spanish or in Italian or in German but we just are so used to that that yeah. we don't even care about that um, even if you see a sign in a different language you just yeah suspension of disbelief i know this is not like it, it won't break yeah. my my immersion in that sense but what you mentioned sarah i think it's a different thing and that really annoys me i'm now watching after how many years i don't know when this show was aired but now <laughs> i'm watching desperate wives for the first time desperate in housewives. my life yeah yeah, uh, yeah. desperate housewives sorry and i really hate when gabriel and carlos they speak in english because they are both mexican and they speak in english and it's like dude why weren't you speaking <laughs> Spanish but anyways these are things that happen well and... for me it's then also I, I not just like, don't like it that they don't speak to each other in their own language when no one's around but then they speak English but with like a very heavy foreign accent just to highlight you know for example like I yeah. don't know if there's like uh like you know classic uh enemy like either the evil german or the evil russian or something and they're just like in their group or even in like their country they're not even like in america for example but they're like somewhere in russia or somewhere in germany but they all speak yeah. to each other just with a heavy accent in english and i get it it's a bit more tricky of course from the production side and blah blah so i also get over it but initially it always annoys me it's like why would they speak like that that makes no sense yeah <laughs> no. it's even racist right at some point it's a like, little bit some racist, accents yeah. can be racist <laughs> yes but anyways Definitely. that's but, how yeah. it is it is how it is right now mm. <laughs> anyway so i feel like we this conversation developed into something really nice. I'm not surprised. It's always good to talk to you, Belen. Um, Likewise, so, Sarah. Yeah, thank you very much um, because you also um, saved me today. <laughs> I had another interview scheduled that had to be postponed, unfortunately, but uh, Belen jumped to my rescue and I'm very happy about that because I had a really good time and I learned a lot, as always. Um, I'm going to let you go because I know we're already over the time that you told me you have today. So thank you very much for that. It's um, my pleasure. Thank for, you so much, Sarah, for, for having me. Again. For anyone watching, um, watch out for Belen's article about exactly what we discussed today and more that will come out on the NIMSI website uh, this week, accessible to anyone who's interested, open to the public. So keep an eye out for that. And otherwise, I will see you next week for another episode of Last Week in Localization. Thank you very much for tuning in. And thank you again, Belen. <laughs> Thank you. It's Bye. A pleasure. Bye-bye.